Welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. I'm Cindy Howes, and I cannot believe I'm doing this, but I found this old interview recently of me when I was 23 and Tori Amos back in 2005, and I'm going to share it because I think it's kind of hilarious, but also kind of terrified to release this out into the world. Anyways, let me tell you a little bit about it after I thank our sponsors for Basic Folk. Basic Folk is brought to you in part by Tina and Her Pony, a queer duo bringing traditional Appalachian music and vocal harmonies into the 21st century. Visit tinaandherpony.com. All right, like I said, Tori Amos's album The Beekeeper had just come out. The year was 2005. I was 23 years old, like a year-ish out of college. I don't, uh, you gotta understand that Tori Amos to me was like the number one, like mecca, just an incredibly important musician for me beginning in high school and then lasting up until now. Um, So at the time it was extremely exciting to meet her and I I think my voice sounded like this regardless, but I was so nervous at the time that it's like probably two or three octaves higher than it normally is. And you may notice a delightful, subtle Boston accent in when I'm sheepishly talking to the greatest woman on earth, aside from my mother. Uh, it's, it's just wild to listen to. Uh, She was very gracious in her answers. Uh, She had also just come out with her autobiography, Piece by Piece, that she wrote with the amazing Ann Powers, who at this point uh, is the music critic for NPR Music. But this is the first time I had come across Ann Powers was through Tori Amos, which is basically like most of my cultural touch points were from Tori Amos. Uh, This is a pretty interesting interview with Tori Amos talking about that album, The Beekeeper, that came out in 2005. We talk about touring with her daughter at that point. She was like, she was, I think she was four, four or five years old. And also, I I do have to say that I, I thought I asked a pretty interesting question about Tori sharing music with her daughter and what that would look like and I don't know what you think about the answer, but score one for me for asking a pretty interesting question. Uh, she also talks about a few ins and outs of the beekeeper and entertains my like weird Boston-centric questions. However, again, the most hilarious aspect of this interview for me is how I am so scared, clearly, to talk to my hero on a one-on-one interview. It's pretty short. We actually had like 20 minutes together. Um, And I do remember this. This was um, backstage at the Orpheum Theater in Boston. And I remembered I had, like, really worked on my outfit before. And I wore this, like, weird button-up H&M shirt with this, like, brooch. And I wrote on my hand, I wrote The Wrong Band, which is one of Tori Amos' songs, that at that point I'd never heard a live uh, version of it, whether recorded or being played live. So I was, like, hoping to ask her to play it in concert and then when I was leaving I was like oh my god I forgot to ask you this and then uh can you play the wrong band and she was like I would have to practice it so she was definitely that was when she was out of practice but I did get a great picture with her um where I'm like I'm grabbing my brooch and I'm like make sure you get 
a picture of my brooch and she's also wearing this scarf that my mom made and um, like I presented it to her and she put it right on and took a picture with it and that was pretty awesome. Anyways, it's a very short interview. Please enjoy this truncated episode of Basic Folk with the most magical woman in the world and your dorky host. That would be me, Cindy Howes. All right. I feel good. I feel fine. I feel fine about this, letting you all hear this. But here we go. It's Tori Amos on Basic Folk. My name is Cindy Howes, and we're here talking to Tori Amos. Um, She's got a new album out called The Beekeeper. Also a new book co-written with Ann Powers called Piece by Piece. And she's you're currently on the road right now. Um, with the album, and you have your family on the road, I hear. Yes, I have my little girl. She's out with me, and she is a road dog. And how is how is it like having your daughter on the road with you? Well, it's really um, challenging because you have to make sure that you're creating a world for her that is, quote-unquote, safe, and fun and educational, and it's it can't seem abnormal. Mm. This is our life, so no different than people that are part of a circus. That's their quote-unquote normal, and so you have to, though, find ways so that when she gets back into school, she isn't completely lost or confused. Has she already started school? She has started school in England. And so we keep up by doing the work. We know what the work is. And yet you are, let's face it, well, you're not at home, but yet you try, You have to try and make your surroundings homey. And sometimes that's a little difficult. I mean, look around you today. You have to find ways. Yeah. So um, going along the same line, she's four now and she's getting older. Um, is there anything that you've done with your like, in your back catalog that you wouldn't want her to listen to? Like, when she gets older, are you the kind of artist who you would want, like, your preteen or teenage daughter to be listening to? Yeah, sure. There's, I wouldn't hide my catalog from Tash. I think there's a time and a place for certain things to make more sense, but she's going to be curious about the music, I think. Um, and then there'll be, a t- there'll, I'm sure, be a time when there are questions that are going to come with that. And um, it's just, I think, when is a kid ready to hear certain answers? They don't need to know certain details at certain times in their life because they, I don't think you're being really fair as a parent to try and treat them like a grown-up girlfriend if they're only eight years old. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of, um, I don't know, I think that that's not really good parenting. I think you have to know what information a kid can take on board. And they might think they can take everything on board, but you should know what they don't need to know to know yet. I really like the new album, The Beekeeper. Actually, you know, last night was the first time I got it, and it was an epiphany. It was really good. And I've heard in some of the reviews that The Beekeeper is the Tori, Tori Amos record for people who were afraid to listen to you before. And what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know. 
I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> there are a lot of different musical styles, so it's not as if it's me just with a harpsichord in a room somewhere. It's not the most abstract thing I've ever done. It's, it's extremely rhythmic. So if you are open to a lot of different rhythms and subject matter, then I think that it's more like short stories, this album. Can you talk about the collaboration with Damien Rice on The Power of Orange Knickers? How did that come about? I heard his voice, and I had thought it was irresistible to have a song called The Power of Orange Knickers, and to have a man sing on it was essential. And so when I heard his voice, I thought that that would be a good voice to sing those words. So you're currently on tour in the U.S. playing solo, and you're going to return back to us with a band. Uh, why did you decide to do both setups for this record? Well, the Beekeeper's extremely, like I said before, rhythmically diverse, and I enjoy having the piano and the ham and interacting with percussion and bass. But at the same time, I hadn't played solo in a long time, and people had been asking me to do it for a while. So it seemed a good way to get my feet wet again. And I want to ask you about the song Garlands. Mm. It's the extra song on the DVD on the special edition of The Beekeeper. And you say you began writing it in the fall when you were in Boston and you finished it somewhere else. And um, in the song Garlands, you talk about Washington Square. Um, is Washington Square in Boston, or does it have anything? It's in New York, okay. yeah. But um, I was in Boston when I started the music. Was there anything about the town particularly that inspired you to write that song? I think it was just a feeling that day that I was having, looking outside, it was getting cold, it was in October. I was here for that... Um, radio show that I did. I don't remember. And I just remember looking outside and how autumn was beginning to come. And there's something about autumn in New England that always it's like a freeze-frame picture for me. And I started to freeze-frame the pictures and that started to take me into the land of paintings and framing. And of course that took me on this little narrative where our female character goes to see Chagall, which is showing uptown in New York City. And she meets her lover in Washington Square. And they try and work out their story through these walking through the paintings themselves. And um, that was the premise. It's very pretty on the DVD. I watched it today. Nice. Thank you. And we'll talk, we want to talk about your book. Yes. Okay. I'm a slow reader, so I'm only 100 pages into it, but I really find it very fascinating how you're, you're able to remember your childhood in such detail. Was it really hard, was it hard to remember things like that so vividly, and did you need any help from your family to remember? When you get asked questions sometimes and you have a little bit of time, especially I would get up at 4 in the morning and write, and... I live in the countryside where there, there are no street lights. When I'm in England, this is where I live anyway. And because of that, this might sound odd, but you don't think everybody else is 
soaking up all the energy that when everybody's buzzing in the afternoon, sometimes it's very hard for me to come up with ideas because you've got all this noise around you. You know, the TV's blaring and everybody, the farmers are shouting next door and everything's going on. But at four in the morning, I'm able to sit and look at a question that Anne would have and I could just sit with it and let my mind go back to a time that is filed away somewhere. And sometimes I will think of songs that take me there. It's almost I ride a song train back to an event. And if I remember a song playing at the time, like Strawberry Fields, or whatever the song was, I can walk back into that moment in time. Circle game, Joni Mitchell. I can remember Marianne, me, Sue, a bunch of us getting ready for eighth grade choir. It's imprinted somewhere in my mind. And so to answer the song, sometimes the questions, I would remember a song that could take me back to this period of time in my life. So it's sort of like a, not, not a photographic memory, but memory from helpless songs. It's pretty good. Well, I don't have any more questions. Oh, you did really good. Thanks, Tori. <laughs> you did great. It's my first time. You know, I would have never known that. I would have never <sighs> known that. Never. Thanks. Two. You know, I almost believe her at the end where she's, she's, I, I'm like, I've never done this before. And she's like, no. I almost believe her. Even like listening back to it, like I still almost believe her. Like what a good human being. Unearthly Tori Amos on Basic Folk. I can't believe it. I can't believe that I got to do that and I was like such a young person. Uh, and and I, that was, that was the last time that I met her, I believe. I met her like three times before that through radio stations and meet and greet appearances. And she has always been such a fantastic person who just has this extremely innate ability to directly connect with somebody and make you feel like you're the only person alive. So if you ever get the chance to meet Tori Amos, you should do it. All right, uh, let's thank our sponsors before we get out of here. Basic Folk receives support from McDean, songwriters who love each other. McDean would be delighted to send you a free CD of their first EP, The Sampler Plate. Email lin at mcdean.co, lin at mcdean.co to get one. And thanks to WIUP in Indiana, Pennsylvania, which airs Basic Folk 2 p.m. Eastern every Saturday you can listen on their website, WIUPFM.org. Thanks to Adam Corey for producing this very weird version of Basic Folk. Lindsay Myers is our business manager. Thanks to Alex Stanton, who does our music for Basic Folk. I'm Cindy Howes. We'll be back next week with a normal episode of Basic Folk, where I don't sound like, like a munchkin trying to exist in the world. Uh, thank you for listening, and you can sign up for my mailing list at cindyhouse.net. There's also show notes there. You can subscribe. You can join our Facebook group, Basic Folk Basics, as well. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.